welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. fam welcome back to value adds value the podcast helping you become the educator your kids deserve my name is kyle krieger want to welcome you back to gosh we're getting towards the end of the year it is december 14th this is gonna go out which is crazy to think that 2020 is almost done but this uh, episode is a continuation of our episode last week which um didn't really start out as wilkie and i setting out to record a podcast but we were just having a conversation when you hit record, and this is what came out. So it just it is really us starting the process of reflection on this year and, and some things that we think um, are going on and just kind of just doing a brain dump of the things that are on our mind. Um, we're really excited next week to drop uh, our second episode with Amen Ra. Uh, he's a principal out in Compton, California. That is going to be amazing. But um, like I said, this is just a short episode this week. Um revisiting you know the conversation that Wilkie and I had and just sharing with you and like I said it's 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 not anything fancy it's just us kind of getting some things off our chest trying to process everything that's going on around us and reflecting on our years so we hope you enjoy it we hope you um have a great holiday break um and we hope that however you celebrate uh your holiday is warm and welcoming and inviting and hopefully restful too so uh Thanks for checking out this episode of Value is Value. Uh, make sure to subscribe, like, share, leave a review. It would mean the world to us. So have a great week. Thanks for listening. And, you know, and it's so unfortunate that in a country that is great as we have, that our founding fathers wrote some words that when you really read them and you really read them in the context of not what they meant at that time, but what it means in actual Today, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, me and you, and my native brothers, and my brown-skinned brothers, and my, 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 my Asian brothers, and my, you know, all people are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with something, some inalienable rights. That means rights that you just can't get around. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that's what we're founded upon. And if we really live out that, you know, and I go back and listen to some of the old Martin Luther King, and, and this is the same thing that he was saying. You wrote these words. As a wordsmith, you understand the power of the words when you say all, all is inclusive. That means anybody who comes here, whether by force or who comes here by choice, they are here and we understand that we are going to give them the right that every citizen of this country has. They can't get around these things. That among these, that this ain't all of them, that among these are our three big ones, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Live it out and it'll change. You know, and it kind of brings me back to a conversation we've had a lot of times about why we aren't more focused on 
teaching our kids to change our country. You know, we're so focused on changing the opinion, changing the mind of adults who are already, for the most part, pretty ingrained in what their thought processes are. And we don't need to, you know, I'm not saying to, like you said, I mean, the word indoctrinate comes up a lot when it comes to education, but like, we don't start worrying about what we're teaching kids and how we're teaching them and giving them opportunities. Like I really, I really asked myself these last couple of weeks, like what is really important to teach our kids in terms of content? Do they need all of this content from kindergarten to 12th grade? I'm going to say yes, but I think it's not so much the content that they need. I think it's the process to obtain the content that's important. And in a process, we're teaching skills and teaching things that we know that just really every person should know. You know, uh, if, you, if you're living in the United States, you should know about the American Revolution. Again, it helps you understand. You should know about Jim Crow because that's, Amer that's truly American. You should know about, you know, um, uh, all of, you know, the tribes that were here before because that's America. You should understand America. I wouldn't want to live in a place that I don't know anything about. The good, the bad, and the ugly, because that helps you understand what you're taking hold of. That's why yeah. to get naturalized in the United States, you've got to take a test to say that you know something about the place that you're living. So I think that there are certain things that we should be teaching, but I think there's a whole lot that we're not. Well, you know, like that, indoctrination that. is not teaching character. But teaching someone to be a good person, it's not me trying to indoctrinate you into a religion. It's not me trying to say that I want you, you're not, I'm not saying that these are the, we're going to do Bible principles or these are the Ten Commandments or we're going to read out of the Torah. But there are some things that I believe that every single human being on this planet can agree are just good things to be, just good character traits to have as an individual person. I'm not trying to sway you left or right. I'm going to show you left and right and let you make the choice. You know, because if I, all I get is a lefted education, then I grow up left not understanding the right. If I just get a right education, then I only grow up knowing and appreciating the right. But if I get an education that tells me both sides, all three, four, five, six sides of the coin, then I can then make a decision to say, you know what? I remember learning about this. I think I align with this more than anything. And then that being okay. Yeah. And I'm thinking about what you said. We don't teach kids about the process. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. That... And, 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 I, and I think maybe that's where it comes to for me. Thinking about this, this year, I'm, it, we're just fundamentally not in a place, at least where I live in my state, where you can teach every kid everything that you are going to teach them this year. But I can still teach them a process of how to learn in this digital space that I think mm -hmm. could serve them well going forward. You know, they've started putting out numbers in here in Houston about the number of failures at certain school districts. Um, and um, apparently, I haven't I haven't seen a report, so I can't confirm it. But apparently, uh, our district was pretty high up there. 
uh, on the list, you know, a list that you don't want to be toward the top of. Right. Um, but I think that you, you said it, I should not be expected to teach the kid every single thing that I would normally have to teach them in, in more ideal situations. There should be an abbreviation that should have taken place. And there should have been more opportunities for SEL. You know, I know in my 45 minute classes, I eat up a lot of time because we, you know, we have conversations about affirmations. We have conversations about things that are going on in the world. I want to give the kids an opportunity to use their voice uh, and share what they want. Because again, most time, if you're a sixth grader, you're probably, truth be told, if you're, most of my sixth graders are probably middle children. You know, they got an older sibling and, and a younger sibling, you know, or maybe a couple on either side. They're probably the kid that, that, that does not um, get an opportunity to really say too much because you're at that age where it's like, at right now you should be able to do something for yourself. You're not in elementary anymore. Um, and so sometimes in my classroom, the only time that kid gets to have an opinion or to voice an opinion about or something is when I give it to them. And think about how important it is to learn how to use your own voice over anything else. Yeah, and I just, yeah, I mean, that's, and, and think about what we could do if we could teach the kids to have their own voice but also to appreciate that everyone else should have theirs and that having their own voice doesn't diminish or undermine someone else's and that you don't have to diminish, you don't have to diminish someone's voice to have your own be heard. All you got to do is put your light on top of the table. If you put your light on top of the table, you're going to encourage somebody else to put their light up. Their light may not be as big as yours, but guess what? When you have a big light and you put a bunch of little bitty lights around it, guess what? The entire room gets brighter. So it's not the size of your light. Come on. Oh, that's good. I'm having an ET moment right now. It's not the size of your light. It's not the size of your light. It's the fact that you have a light because your light automatically is going to call out to other lights. And when it calls out to enough light, then the Bible tells us that the, the, the darkness can't comprehend the light. So that means that whenever light comes around, darkness disappears. So the more people, the more kids in my classroom that I can get that's not afraid to put their little light out. You know, the, the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And that part, if you keep going in that stanza, it just keeps saying everywhere I go. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. We have to teach our kids to shine. We have to teach them to, that my shining is not putting a spotlight on your failure. My shining is simply to illuminate to you the way. And then if I'm smart with my light, then I will use my light to get you to where I'm at because nobody wants to be in a place all alone. You know, my wife and I joked about, you know, the lottery was like $214 million. And I was like, I got to get me some tickets. I mean, I know it's a, it's a long shot, but hey, I mean, 
couple of bucks their investment just to, you know, and it's helping education too, you know. But but anyway, I told her, I said, if we were to win that type of money, I say I would have to find, I say I would have to put money aside for all of those people that are closest to me in my circle and, and, and get behind them on something that'll pull them away from their jobs. I say, because it would be boring to have this type of money and not be able to be around the people that you love and be around, want to be around all the time. Like I would have to start businesses with every single friend I have just to make sure that number one, you don't have to worry about going to work every day. <laughs> so, I mean, we could be like, hey, you know what? Let's go down to Florida and get on the golf course in at Pebble. You know, let's go, let's go to Pebble Beach. Let's go, let's just go play a couple of rounds and be like, man, bet, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Like, and be able to do that at any time. And I know everybody's like, but it's not about money. And it's not. It's not about money. It's about the opportunity and the freedom that we all are supposed to have. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There's no fluke that our founding fathers, founding, founding fathers put that in there. Because they understand that when you are living out your passion and you're doing something that you love, you in, you, your happiness becomes infectious. Because they always say happiness is based on what's happening. So if I have things that are happening that are good to me and I have life and I have my freedom, then I can take this time and say, now I don't have to worry about, am I going to get home? I can put this energy in making sure that my mind is clear that I can write this book or that my mind is clear that I can come up with this new recipe, that my mind is clear that I can make, create this new fabric and, you know, make this new computer, this new cell phone. I have my mind free to pursue those things that make me happy. Well, and, you know, another historical point you have to make, there were some people who wanted it to be life, liberty and property. And originally, and I don't remember exactly who wrote Life, Liberty, and Property. The Founding Fathers didn't come up with that themselves. I, I want to say it was Locke that talks about Life, Liberty, and Property, but I could be wrong. But think about how, if they had written Life, Liberty, and Property. With 330 million people in this country, how, how would everyone have property? And who would be the rationer to determine that everybody gets that property? At what point? At what point can you dilute property and cut it into smaller and smaller parcels? I mean, but that's what we did to the native population. We did, but somebody, but there were people who gained from it, and are still gaining from it. And that's, that's why, you know, that happiness piece. I mean, I, I think fundamentally you could have a country where everyone could be happy. I believe it's a hundred percent possible, but, but you, you fundamentally. To, <laughs> yeah. But you'd have to have a population of people who didn't believe that their happiness was tied to the actions of someone else or that if someone else is happy, they can't be happy. Or if someone else is happier than them, they can't be happy. And that's, you know, I'm glad you said it like that. Cause that, that, that is one of the things that just really bothers me about, about people, 
you know, I go back to that scene in Yellowstone where um, uh, his son, uh, Dutton's son, said, no, I think it was Dutton who said, man is the, um, man is the meanest animal on this planet. The cruelest man on the planet. Cruelest being on the planet is what he said. Cruelest being. There's not another animal on this planet that hunts for sport. It's not. Not for not for survival. Like I say, I'm all for hunting for survival, but when you start hunting for sport, if it's not gonna put meat in my table, then why am I running out here killing it? Unless it's a unless it's a nuisance. You know, but then, you know, but you have people who are, you know, who yeah, I get off that soapbox. I mean, you could, I mean, if we wanted to go down it, you could talk about the way that the herds of buffalo and elk were decimated in the 1800s. Even the wolf. You know, can yeah. you learn to coexist? I think people have shown that you can learn to coexist. Are there going to be some some moments where you're going to have some um, <laughs> some yeah. bears at your back porch? <laughs> yeah, encounters, yeah. <laughs> when your mom was telling us this story, my wife was like, "I think, I think was it was it your mom or yeah, it was your mom telling the story about how she moved her bird feeder because the bears would just come up to her back porch." Yeah, and I, my wife every, was like, "Every spring, my every spring, the bears would come and rip down my mom's bird feeder." Wow. And then they go around to the other side of the house where there's like a planter and a bird feeder hanging from the 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 eve and there was a time where my mom had a bear bear paw print on her window because the bear had gotten up onto the planter and was bracing himself on on the house to eat out of the bird feeder wow That's, yeah you know but again you know you we have to learn to to coexist one with another and I think that that's where we have to approach everything, every every situation with that in mindset, you know, to kind of circle back to, to the question that you asked uh, initially was, uh, what's the end game for education? Um, I think it is to have an educated populace, but to make sure that you're not indoctrinating people. You're just giving them information. You're removing the veil so that people can make decisions for themselves. And I think that the scariest part about, you know, even like looking at how, you know, we say that we have a true democracy and we really don't. You know, I've been doing some research and they say we have what they call a constitutional republic. And, and that's the reason, like, I didn't know, I didn't, I wasn't taught that in school. Yeah, true democracy would be that everyone has a vote on everything. Mm -hmm. A constitutional republic. And that's why, you know, we say to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. But, yeah, I I didn't know that. Because that means every every situation, every single uh, topic that comes up, that means you'd have to stop and have a vote. Yeah. And I mean, I do think it's a time where um, 
there needs to be some reform on the representation system. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one place that I think it should go is there needs to start to be term limits for congressmen and senators. I mean, there's no reason that one person should be a congressman or senator for 20 or 30 or 40 years. Right. Even judges. Even judges. Even judges. I'm 100% on board with that. Because now it's, you know, and especially with these, especially the congressmen, like on a two-year term, you're basically, by the time you get there, you're already starting to campaign for your next go-round. And, I mean, and, you know, the representation and especially the Senate, I mean, the seven, the Senate is overwhelmingly white males. Many Did you see that, that one of the new Corey, uh, what is her name? Corey Bush? Bush, yeah. How she uh, wore Breonna Taylor mask to, um, to her first day. Uh, after she had gotten elected and when she went on the house floor that people were calling her Miss Taylor and saying, you know, calling her Brianna, that they had no idea that what she had on her mask, because she had Brianna Taylor, Brianna Taylor on her mask, that they thought that she was Just telling her them name. her name. Yeah. And said that it was overwhelmingly happening. She goes, it wasn't just one time that somebody did it. It was over and over and over again throughout the entire day that people were calling her Miss Taylor and Brianna. And she said she just she just went along with it because it just showed her how out of touch so many of her colleagues are with what's going on in the real world. Because there's you you had to be under a rock or didn't care to not know about the Brianna Taylor situation. What's good, everybody? Thanks for checking out this episode of Value as Value. We are so excited um, and so honored to have been a part of this conversation with you for the last four years, and we appreciate everyone's support and everything that everyone has done for us. So if you like this episode, please like it, share it, subscribe it. Um, Find us on social media at value as value at its.will.law.iii at its Kyle Krieger. Um, find us at our website, theledproject.com, Facebook, value adds value, wherever you want. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. But really, um, thank you for everything. Please let us know if we can help you. Send us an email, reach out. Uh, much love, and we hope that you enjoyed this last week before break and you have a really great and restful holiday. So, talk again soon.